HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Cheese State University. Cheese State University was created for dedicated cheese professionals seeking to deepen their knowledge, sharpen their skills, and build connections. Join them in the Ivy League of Cheese Education at cheesestateuniversity.com. Welcome to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and it is Friday, May 12th, 2023. And this is our 356th episode of this series, which is dedicated to behind-the-scenes talent in the hospitality industry. Today, I have a very special episode, which I recorded on location on a recent trip to Santiago, Chile. And it's with an outstanding chef who is featured in my new book, Chef-wise, and I will share more details in a moment. First, as I do in every show, I will start with my PR tip. Then later, we will have my chef interview with a speed round and a final question, and I will also have a solo dining experience. As the founder of Bayer Public Relations, I'm going to tip the show off with my PR tip of the week. So today's tip is to never stop learning. There is endless wisdom to receive as we go through life, as we are in a continuous cycle of experiencing new things, shaping our perspectives and the way we see the world. Yes, knowledge has no boundaries, or as my guest today puts it, knowledge cannot have a rooftop. And when we learn new things, it enables us to tackle new challenges, discover new passions, innovate and grow. So let's always be curious and learn something new every day, as knowledge is power. That's my tip today. Okay, I'm very excited to share this interview with you, which I did on a quick solo trip about a month ago to my guest's hometown of Santiago, Chile. And my guest is Rodolfo Guzman. He is a Chilean chef who opened Barago in Santiago in 2006, famed for its sustainable approach 
deeply rooted in Southern Chile's ingredients and indigenous culture, Barago earned the inaugural Latin America's 50 Best Sustainable Restaurant Award in 2018 from the world's 50 best restaurants and the Flor de Cana Sustainable Restaurant Award in 2021. Barago, or it's really Barago, is currently ranked number 10 on Latin America's 50 best restaurants and number 43 on the world's 50 best. So we recorded this interview the day after I had my solo dinner at Barago, and we did it at the W Santiago in Santiago's Las Condas district, which is actually the home to a restaurant from another Chef Wise chef, who is Mitsuharu Misha Tsumura. And I've been to his restaurant, Maido, in Lima, Peru, which I absolutely loved. And uh, Mitsuharu has a restaurant at the W Santiago called Kare by Mitsuharu. And um, so, and I did go there on this trip, but anyways, we were at the W Santiago um, and that's where Rodolfo and I sat down and had a conversation. So um, here it is, it's a bit long. I kept it all in because I wanted to share it all with you. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Rodolfo Guzman of Barago. Here it is. Well, hello, I'm here with Rodolfo Guzman of Barago in Santiago, Chile, on location, not at your restaurant right now, but I was there last night and I'm so thrilled to be chatting with you. So hi, Rodolfo. Hello, thank you for the, uh, for the talk and I'm very excited to, to sharing our, whatever we do <laughs> for you all with you. So thank you. No, thank you. I'm, it's funny because on my, on my show leading up to this and I said I was going to be talking to you, I left it as a surprise that I would actually be in person. Um, so here we are uh, before we get into my fabulous dinner last night, which was really so special. Take us back a bit to the beginnings or how, how did you get into the culinary world and when, when did you get that interest or that desire to become a chef? Well, uh, I never expected to become um, a professional cook in a way. Um, but now I'm thinking it was so obvious because, you know, food was so important, so relevant in my family. Um, so it was kind of a natural thing for me. <clears throat> I was kind of lost in my life. So um, a good friend of mine told me, hey, why what, what don't you try, you know, this is, this short thing is not expensive, so you can go to ordinary culinary school in Santiago, so you can see what, if, if you feel like, but I can't see you. So, so I, I did it, and it worked. So I felt really, really comfortable doing, you know, learning about cooking in, in my family. You know, I'm coming from a... Back then, Chile was very different. When I was a kid, uh, I, I grew up in Santiago in the capital, but I was spending all my summers in the countryside, which is, I don't know, an hour away from, from a city with my mom, grandmother. And, and um, so food was very important, again, in my family, uh, since it was, I'm coming from a middle-class family, 
So there was not, not that much at that time, I remember. And, um, and so my mother was doing a big effort every weekend to cook, you know? To real cook, and she she has a a particular uh, skills on desserts. So she was incredible. Just I was watching and tasting. My my father was that that kind of fanatic person behind the scenes, you know. And and so I grew up in that environment. And my grandmother is also she's a great great cook. Also, uh, all women in my family. So. I had those memories in my mind and, and, and I feel, you know, plus all of that, those efforts I saw my parents with, you know, around the table during the weekends. Um, so I felt very comfortable, you know, getting involved in the culinary world in a, in a way, in a way, yeah. And um, so I started doing stages, it's in you know, the kid, and I got so disappointed in Santiago, so because I had that, that chef in my mind, you know, my first book, it was Thomas Keller's, you know, so I opened it. I, I, I could dream with that book, you know, I could really seriously dream with that because I saw the producers plus some other books, you know, I had. And, and I had, you know, those two incredible producers, they could see them full of passion behind cutting ingredients out of the crown with so much passion in chefs, such as Tom, Tom Skeller, uh, cooking with so much passion. It was like a movie in a way for me, in my mind. And I went to Santiago's restaurants, doing stages, start walking in, this, in different uh, restaurants. And, and I felt so disappointed at that time because the chef, he was very famous. I, I can, most of the important chefs at that time. Um, but the team, it was absolutely none connected to the, to the mind of the chef. I mean, everyone could, you know, do anything in life, but so, for some of the reason, they ended up doing, you know, uh, working in the kitchen. And so I was very disappointed. And so I said, like, I cannot accept this reality. I have to find this reality. So I tried, I tried to to send faxes at that time, you know, to different... Well, I was trying to, uh, to, to do an intern, Thomas Keller, uh, but I couldn't, you know, because it was impossible at that time, I can imagine. And, and around, around how old are you at this time? I was around 21, 22. And, and then... And then I... Uh, somebody told me, hey, have you ever heard... Well, what, what is happening in Spain? I said, no, come on. There is a revolution in the Spanish cuisine. There's a movement. <laughs> There's a whole movement there. And I'm like, no, come on, it's the new France. And I'm like, really? Yes, really. So, so I, I tried to find out, you know, and social media wasn't there, you know. It was right. totally different. Yeah, I was... Um, totally I'm, different story back then. I remember faxing. Yeah, 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 you remember that. <laughs> So anyways, um, I, I, made, I made a call and I was trying to find a stage in, in Madrid. So they said, yes, no problem, come. What so, restaurant? <laughs> it was, it's called Balzac, super famous chef at that time. It's, it's now a good, very good friend of mine. 
doesn't exist anymore, unfortunately. Okay. It was probably the most important restaurant in Madrid at that time. It was called Balzac. Yeah. Nice. So, so um, I went there. And it was like a dream. It's like a dream. Like all those things I saw in a book, all those pictures, I was part of it. So I felt so complete. There, your book reference just reminds me back before I moved to New York and I lived in Chicago and I had my period of my life where I was thinking I wanted to be a chef and the book I had was Charlie Trotter. And I remember flipping through his book and looking at the pictures and just being like, wow, how do you even do this? And then I ended up becoming a server at his restaurant. But when you reference the book, I'm like, yeah, some, some I mean, that caliber is just, is, is very high and very special. Yes, of course, of course. You know, a book at that time, yeah, I don't know, in my mind, it, it made me dream, you know, mm -hmm. like a movie, yeah. like no difference. Because all of these thoughts, all of these recipes I saw in the reading itself, you know, like so much passion in those words. And, and so I... Um, well, I went to Spain, um, I found my way, I ended up working there. And then I moved to another second restaurant of Andres. He was phenomenal at that time. It was a destroy, it was so avant-garde for that time. It was a tasting menu, 40 covers, lunch and dinner, five days a week. And, and we were working our asses off. <laughs> it was super fun, super fun. That's where, where I learned how to cook. I remember lost like four kilos <laughs> because I was in a midsection. Uh, so four, four of us running plus Chevy Cuisine and, and running the, the, the restaurant fully booked, fully booked every night, every lunch, 38 euros. It was very cheap. So everyone wanted to come to see Andres, the B side of Andres. And it was very cool. And then I, I, I remember um, I was trying to go to a bully because everyone wanted to go to a bully at that time. Of course. And I was well, everyone to... wanted to dine there, and so, then some people wanted to cook. Well, every, or, yeah, however you can get in. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I was trying to send faxes, trying to call, try to say some story. I told Ferran, I don't know, a couple of years ago, maybe more than a couple of years ago, and he's like, oh, sorry. I said, like, no, you don't have to feel sorry, but uh, at that time, I, I was dreaming to go to a bully. So I couldn't do it, never happened. But then I ended up uh, in this restaurant in the middle of nowhere. It's called Mugaritz. Nobody knew, well, not much people knew Mugaritz at that time. And so I ended up there doing an intern. And, and there I, I, I felt just, just great. That, that was the place that I wanted to be at. You know, like I truly, a restaurant that was like fully committed, not, not 90%, but 100, 100, 150% committed, you know? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I mentioned to you, I did yeah. dine there yeah, yeah. several years ago and it was it was so special. Yeah. And, and actually now thinking of the menu you have and what you're doing, I could see how that would influence you yeah. because, um, yeah, fully committed. So... Uh, <laughs> Well, anyways, I, um, I, I came back afterwards. I had the chance to, to keep going on my career in, in, in Europe, but I decided I had a feeling in my guts that 
I wasn't, you know, I've never been a good student in school, not even in, no, you know, never been such a brilliant on, on anything, but I always felt my guts, always behind my guts, you know, so, so I'm very about the feelings. And at that time, I had the feeling that I had to come back to Chile because I was going to have the opportunity to serve my food. <laughs> so I, I decided to come back. So that was end of 2004. And, and I was hired as a CDP and as a sous chef. I, I, I was running a, a big restaurant. That's how I, I learned how to lead a kitchen, you know. It was a big restaurant, 200 covers or something like that. So I learned my way there. And then um, a guy offered me to open a restaurant for me as a, as a chef of cuisine. And so I, after that, the, the partners, they, they, they had troubles in between them, I remember. And, and uh, yeah, so I had to leave. I said, like, no problem, guys. <laughs> Just keep going. Uh, after a year, I had to leave. And I had a little money in my pocket. And I saw that that, that bar. <laughs> it's a small house. I had borrowed all my mind for a long time. And I knew Chile, it was blessed. Because it's probably the biggest endemic country in the world. Uh, ingredients that you won't get to see anywhere else. I, I was I was tasting some of some of those ingredients. I, I, I grew up a little bit of that, you know. I had that little feeling in my mind about um, in the countryside, you know. I grew up with the warm milk, right? The fresh milk straight out of the cow, you know. I so I had those memories. And I feel that I had to do something so different to whatever I saw in Europe. So at that time, everything was about technique. And I had that, that little tiny restaurant and I had money to open the restaurant for three months. I remember. So I said, yes, I'm going to do it. I had everything in mind. I had the menu. I had how I'm going to cook, how I'm going to set the kitchen. So we started working on that little tiny house. And... And I called Hernan, so he was, I met him in Europe. He's Chilean. So I said, Hernan, you're gonna be my, uh, you're gonna be a chef of cuisine, and I'm gonna be the, the guy who is worried about how to find my way to run this thing. <laughs> okay? And so I, we started, and I said, Borago was going to be about the momentum of the Chilean terroir. So whatever we do, we have to look back in time to move forward. I know it's gonna take us long because it's, 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 um, we know nothing. This is the bad, bad thing. And I knew that, you know, finding knowledge is expensive and well, at that time, not that much probably, but it takes time. Yeah, but you grew up here, so you knew, when you say you knew nothing, like. I could say, maybe I knew nothing, but you had you had a little bit of a base. Yeah, yeah. I had the feeling, you know. I, I, I met I met lots of natives around, and yeah. and and you know, had the chance to to taste ingredients in Patagonia, in Chile, 
my grandfather's from Chiloé, so it's still having that connection, you know? Even when I, I, I never, you know, I, I born in Santiago, but I have that special connection with that place for some reason. So I know how it tastes. And, and it is, it's for me, in my mind, you know, we, we have at least 80% of us, we have the Araucano blood, you know? So we're truly an example of mestizos. We all are mestizos. And they've been around for the last 12,000 years in the Chilean lands. And we, but since the Spanish came, we were pretending to be Europeans. Till the 90s, we're pretending to be Americans. So I said, come on, we have to do, we have to find our roots. It's, it's normal. It's such a rich thing. I've, I've seen things. Yeah. So we, I quickly start traveling a little bit around the country, asking favors to, to, to natives, to, to farmers, to producers. Can you do this for us? Can you send it to the restaurant? They said, like, I, I still remember face of Don Pascual at that time. Can you grab those little tiny wild apples for us and send it to the restaurant? He was like, are you sure? This is what we eat at home. Yes, that's what we need. So we were trying to find this logistic, but we were in trouble. Because a good restaurant in Chile was more based on this. The sign, um, the place where you go to see people, and food was not, not relevant. For food, you were trying to find some Peruvian restaurants or Japanese restaurants, Chinese, um, Italian, French, whatever, but Chilean, no. Chilean was too ordinary. Uh, native ingredients didn't even have the price for, for, on top of the table, you know? Just so um, it's something that, in a way, we, uh, we have to develop. And so Borago, we were in trouble because Borago was going to be about that. There's not going to be a piece of foie gras on the plate. It's not going to be technique. We were, we were trying to find possibilities on the ingredients, which is different. Yeah. No, it's amazing. Your vision, your passion. Um, I have a question for you from my last guest. And so I think now is a good time to ask it. Uh, this is episode 354 I had on Chip Wade. He's the chief executive officer of Union Square Hospitality Group, which was yes. founded by Danny Meyer yep. in New York City. So he says, he said he did a little research and his question revolves around the explorations and journey that you went on in 2004, 2005, when you embarked on a historical study of food, collaborating with research groups, psych psychologists and nutritionists to better understand the closer connection between food, health and culture. So his question is, what did you learn during this period and how has it changed your point of view or thinking over the past 20 years? And how has your thinking shaped your culinary food and menu strategy for your restaurant? Uh, well, at the beginning, because I, I feel, I truly feel I knew nothing. So I wanted to learn. I, I, I felt like I really needed to learn. So I started more than anything, I was trying to talk to anthropologists to, to uh, producers, yeah. to foragers, to natives, mainly natives, and, and to everyone that knew something that could help us. Everyone will, will be a big help. And so suddenly we started to learn. And that's what I had in my mind, but I was in trouble. 
because the restaurant was going to be something. Remember that time, there was no social networks. So you needed a big, big guy, you know, to write something cool, at least something cool. A really good PR. Exactly, (laughs) or a good PR. It wasn't our case. Yeah. So, because Borrego was a very small restaurant, really. So, so press, you know, the gastronomic press at that time came and they couldn't understand where these ingredients were coming from. What are you talking about? What are these old tiny berries you, you're trying to cook with? It doesn't make sense. Chilean food are empanadas, Chilean food are uh, corn pie. I said, like, that's too new. We got it in our blood. So it doesn't make sense that we cannot recognize these ingredients that have been in the land for thousands of years and being part of our history. We're mestizos. We're not, you know, unidirectional. We're multidirectional in a way. So um, I was trying to, uh, I was trying to connecting dots and suddenly we started to learn. And it was magical because I said to her, did you taste this? He's like, yes, I fucking tasted. Can you believe it? Can you believe it? So we start, suddenly we start making notes. Because, you know, these ingredients are about very short windows of time during the year. So no choice. We didn't want to forget the next year so we could move forward, you know, and build things on top of that, those little notes, how it grows, from which state to which state, who are eating them, Mapuches, Kaweshkas, um, I don't know how to cook it, has it emulsifies or not, and then we realize, hey, how about if we go into, uh, I don't know, to a biologist, to a botanist, can he help us to recognize? And some of these people help us to, to recognize. And so suddenly we start gaining knowledge, but we had trouble. The restaurant was empty. Um, I'm going to try to be quick with this because it's a long story. It's uh, funny. Now I, I can tell you it's funny. I mean, my show is typically only 45 minutes, but you can just keep going because yeah. I love I yeah. love your story. Yeah. So. So, so anyways, we, we had the restaurant empty for the first three months. And then this uh, suddenly this um, air flight company, Chilean airline, shows up and said, hey, look, listen, your restaurant has been... I'm talking about back in 2007 after three months of running the restaurant, uh, said the restaurant's been picked as a, nominated for the best restaurant last time in America. I said like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was ready to close, done. So, um, no, this is serious. Your restaurant's gonna be in that magazine in every flight from, let's say, Miami to to, to Santiago, all all Latin American destinations to Santiago, and, well, suddenly we had a fully booked restaurant. What year is this? That was 2007. So, um... It's amazing. I don't know. It's, it's, I, I have some, yeah. And it's, we were so not conscious about what, what was going on in the Northern Hemisphere because it was not non-connected period as it, as it is now, you know? So nowadays it's a totally different story. But anyways, um, something happened back in 2008. Giant crisis. Yeah. Hit the country. So I had an empty restaurant from one day to the next again. And I said, like, what we do? 
it's time to close the restaurant again. She so said, like, you know what? We have to fight for it. So we start doing catering, but very cheap catering, not, not that sort of level. <laughs> so suddenly we, because it was a small, small animal, we could deal with the cost and everything. So suddenly we, we were very healthy economic-wise, but with an empty restaurant because we were doing a lot of catering. And suddenly I'm, I'm looking at myself in the mirror and I said, like, oh, this is not what I wanted to do. This is not myself. What am I doing here? Yeah. What am I doing this? I because I really felt I was born to cook, <laughs> you know, like in a in a restaurant where you can give your passion, your your energies, and to help a team to grow. So, and somebody told me, hey, do you know there is this? You know, it was back in two thousand, the beginning of two thousand nine. This famous restaurant. Have you heard about this famous restaurant in a bankruptcy? It's been in bankruptcy for the last two years. They're selling it. So I said, like. Okay, this is not for me. I know the restaurant you're talking about. If I, I don't know, I need probably two lives to, to pay for it. <laughs> so it was not my case. So anyways, I, I went there and <laughs> it's very funny. So I went there. I said like, oh, I was so frustrated. I was mad at the guy who was trying to show me the restaurant. I said like, why you bring me here? I, I could not, definitely, I could not buy this thing. Not even to rent this thing. Of course, it's my dream. It's a beautiful house. We're only four people in the kitchen. We used to be four people in the kitchen back then. And, and um, it would be like a dream. But anyways, I was trying to find partners. Impossible. Everyone said, like, no, 200 covers. So I got to play to Asia, to North America, to Europe, whatever. But here in Chile, no, man. 200 covers, 180 covers. Otherwise, you're joking around. And I said, okay. I'm, I went to the bank trying to get a loan something like a credit or, and, and then the woman said like no Rolfo you don't have property it's impossible but you know what there's a program of the government it's called Fogabe go to ask she knew it was impossible I had a little tiny car that was all I had and it was it was truly impossible so I went there I talked to the man showed my project he's like five minutes look at the papers say like you know what I like your project I give you the support you get the money I'm like, what? Is this guy crazy? You don't, but are you sure? You, you're barely seeing my projects. It's like, no, you get, the, you get the support, no problem. I'm gonna call the bank, no worries, you, you're good. So I went to the bank. The woman said like, this has been approved. Can I cannot believe it. I cannot believe it, okay? Okay, you know, because they work together super closely with this Fogapa program, remember? And so they give me the money. They put the money in my account. So I come out calling my wife. Said like, look, listen, I have the money in my account. What are we doing? We're moving. She said, we're moving, we're expecting. You have the money. And so um, anyways, the, the manager of, the, of that area of the bank was calling the next day to say, hey, okay, send me the uh, application and everything. No, this guy is no longer working here. He's been doing a lot of shit, so we fired him. <laughs> so it was a create by mistake. So we moved to this new restaurant. We tried to invite the press that we didn't. I mean, we got a lot of, a lot of, I don't have another word for this. We got a lot of shit at the beginning. You can, in my show, yeah, you can say that. Yeah, yeah. We, we, we got a lot of shit from, from the gastronomic press at that moment. And a lot of funny things. 
in the in the in the newspapers about what we were doing. We were trying to do this. Like not great cook, reviews or just these guys are cooking for with grass, grasses for cows, and stuff like that. You know, funny stuff. Yeah. They don't even know how to cook. This is not right there. This is not the real Chilean cuisine. Cuisine is going to us. So, of course, we never have their attention. But anyways, we tried to invite the press. We did that effort. The motherfuckers never published a thing. And, and uh, so nobody knew. We moved into this new house. But I couldn't resist, you know. I don't know how we ended up in a very bad situation, economical situation with the bank. I was trying to sell the restaurant. I was just, I had a signed contract back in 2012 to sell the restaurant. It was ready. The guy regretted at the end. I was so, so frustrated. It was the bad time in my life. It was very dark, very, very dark. And, and then Dre Petrini sent me a message, said like, I'm going to where I go. Do you know, uh, by the way, I'm Dre Petrini. I said, of course, everyone knows you. Everyone knows who you are <laughs> in this, this industry. He's probably the most important guy in the food industry, you know. I said, food critic. And uh, he's, he's in the dining room, taste. He's like, man, this is, this is incredible. This is incredible. Can I, can I see your ingredients? Yes, of course. We'll take you with us to the beach so you can... But I, I had in my mind trying to sell the restaurant. I said, we're all for, this is, this is very different to what I've seen in Europe. And, and you're like, I know. <laughs> no, no, I, I wasn't not even conscious because I, I was, it was a very like bipolar situation because I was sort of trying to develop into uh, that, that endless process never, never stopped since the very beginning. Learning, making notes, everything on the computer. So in between, say, this is very special, you know? Like what you're doing, your work, even behind the, the kitchen. So we have this ugly kitchen, so even separate from the service. And so um, we, um, and then he left. Suddenly something happened. A lot of presses stopped coming. And some, somebody, I can't remember who, said, well, you know the world 50 best. And I said, uh, yes, I know World 50 best. Of course, every, every cook in the world will know it. Uh, and so he's, he's like, well, there's going to be a Latin American 50 best passion. I said, really? Yes, really. It's going to be held in Peru. In a hurt, you're going to be in the very top. So like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm trying to sell the restaurant, by the way, you want to buy it. <laughs> there's, there's been there's been a, a a repetition or a theme here, but um, yeah. Um, so the list comes out, and you are In, on it. I'm on it. <laughs> the restaurant was, of course, empty, absolutely empty. I don't know. The month before, the next day, it was absolutely impossible to get a single chair within a month because it was fully booked. Yeah. We didn't change a single thing, not even our thoughts, not even our dish, not even nothing. But it was fully booked. I, purely, I remember lots of Peruvian food critics started coming in. And they were like, what? In Chile? This? It's impossible. 
are you sure you're doing this? Yes, of course we've been doing this. It's like, they, I remember they were saying, this is really good, Rodolfo. This is so different to whatever we've seen. And, and, and so I, I was like, wow, wow, this is incredible. So anyways, when the restaurant exploded, I felt, you know what, guys, we're ready. I look at the information we had. We had a dictionary of Chile. So we did two things in six years or five years. Start, we started classifying and categorizing the country with eyes of food, not, not with eyes of geographies or, 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 or uh, I don't know, whatever, but with eyes of cooks. So we divide every region by ingredients. And so we learn a lot. And we discover things that we never dream of. And so our food started to taste very different, very deep in a way. And, and since that year, I remember um, I was coming, by the way, that month I remember showing up to the office of Diego, who was running the, the reservation. And this one time, he's grabbing me from my neck, said like, Rolfo, listen, I don't want to see you here anymore. You have to leave, leave, do whatever you know the best. But do not show up this, in this office anymore because it's going to be so uh, annoying. I don't want to see you. So that's what he did. From that day and beyond, I understood in my mind that I had to spend every day cooking in, to keep this thing alive. And I remember calling Don Pascual. Remember those little tiny one apples? Well, listen, I need 500 kilos of that. 300 kilos of this, this week, can you do it? So he says like, oh yes, I try, I try, no worries. So can you find some more people to do this and that? By the way, all the lamps are ours. So we start building a strong community, not only based on that culture, but also uh, based on economy. And that moved slowly into something that we never dream of, and since that day, I remember seeing my face in every single newspaper in Chile. <laughs> so I said, like, what? The rest of us, to get famous all of a sudden. By, by a list from England. Can, yeah. can, 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 can you believe it? I can believe it because having dined now at your restaurant last night and meeting you, like, yes, I can believe it. You deserve it. But it's got to be crazy to go from being unknown to being famous. I never expected, you know, so the restaurant exploded and, and we started doing many, many things. Quickly, we, we grow, we grow in our test area and, and we transform it into something amazing. At the beginning of 2016, we opened in the, um, another kitchen in the Universidad Católica, which is probably the most prestigious university. In bioprocesses, we, we, we opened a lab and we started to seeing everything, whatever we were doing, from very close to our eyes. And that's the point where we start seeing and learning and moving forward really, really quick. It was phenomenal. Yeah. So talk a bit about the way your menu is designed and how you're doing it. Because, first of all, your ingredients and your, I mean, the t tomatoes was a big theme going yeah, on yeah. right now. And But your tomatoes were like not typical tomatoes, giant. I mean, and you prepared them so many different ways and everything was so delicious. And the experience is 
it's also, it's interactive. Um, you have all the chefs coming out, you're coming out, you're presenting dishes. I mean, I was tasting things that I'd never had before and you know, I've dined out quite a bit and I've done a lot of tasting menus, but it was very different in a beautiful way. And also, I realized also there was a lot of eat with your hands, which I love to do. But I mean, is that something you were doing from this period or is this, how is, I guess, how is the, how is the menu developed now over the past few years or it's, I'm sure it's always developing. Yes. Yes. Well, Borago, it's, it's really, it's been conceived since the very beginning as an essay on the momentum of the Chilean terroir and about the, truly in real deep exploration to the to the country itself through culture so uh in one hand when we opened the restaurant i figured that i couldn't afford the front of the house so we had only two people i said like well no choice we got to do it on our own so since then we start doing it and when the restaurant exploded in in 2013, um, we said, like, oh, Phil, great doing it. People love it. <laughs> so let's keep doing it. It's something really special about it. And I I really, every time a, a, a cook came over to my table, when they were done presenting the dish and explaining it, I really wanted them to then sit down at the table with me and I wanted to hear their whole story. I was just so, I mean, the, your team is amazing and everyone is so knowledgeable and you could see their passion too about everything you're doing. So yeah, it's very special and Thank I'm glad you. you're still doing that. Thank you. Thank you. And then um, all of this uh, thing about the, the, the change, Borago always has to change, always has to, always has is to move forward to, to feel different because it's, it's, like, it's like us, you know, humans were alive. So food is also alive. And, and for me, this is very relevant because imagination and originality were very serious about these two words. I'm not going to say I'm, I'm not going to say creativity because it's 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 a word that I don't feel comfortable with. It's, it's it's been on top of the table so many times that I feel more appeal to imagination and originality. That's the restaurant that. That, that we've been focused since, since the very beginning, perhaps the, the understanding and the knowledge and, and that fact of moving, moving backwards to move, in order to move forward is to, to understand where you're coming from, three things, where you're coming from, where you get around, and who you are. Yeah. So uh, in that sense, we started to learn about the cooking methods, which is for me, cooking method is something totally different to a technique. Because sometimes we get confused, you know? Technique, cooking methods, elaborations are totally, three totally different things for me. Technique is something more probably related to a professional cook itself. It's something that I could do because I'm a professional cook and probably my mother couldn't do at home. Elaboration, you don't need to be a professional cook to do it. And probably it's more related to your culture because it's been, it's been done for gener generations probably. And, 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 and cooking method 
cooking method belongs also to a culture for such a long time. And you don't, sometimes you don't have to be a professional cook to, to execute. And yeah, so, sense, so we started to, to, be, to learn about those cooking methods or those elaborations or those ways of serving the food. So we started, I can't remember, we started serving our food in, in a way in 2007. And slowly we start saying like, no, we, we cannot be, uh, uh, I don't know, Northern Hemisphere technique or, or European technique on Chilean native ingredients. It has to be Chilean approach, it has to be Dutch with our hands. Because it's, it's the way we eat, the, the way our ancestors were eating. So we have to move forward, that's all. Through imagination, through originality, through whatever we, we wanted to achieve. But uh, so slowly we start doing it, doing it and we, we feel great. And also it's more agile for the, for the menu, you know? In our case, it's not, it's not that we, we serve in tasting menu. It's not that we feel like, oh, we shouldn't do a la carte. I think, and I feel that, because at the beginning we had a la carte, is, is that um, wouldn't be fair if, if you're coming from far to not to uh, let you to try these beautiful treasures we, we're having during the season. Perhaps it's a tasting menu. It has to be very, very uh, based on rhythm, you know? about you, it's not about us, because at the end of the day, we're not cooking for us, we're cooking for people. So we're trying to be delicious on top of anything, of course. But um, yeah, so it has to be by the rhythm. It has to be seasonal, because chili is extremely seasonal. Yeah, well, you, you certainly have mastered all of that. And I love, I love eating with your hands. I mean, I think food tastes better that way. I don't know if it's psychological or something, but I really do. And I guess the interactive experience, it also makes it for the guest. I mean, a lot of the dishes, I had to be told what was edible on the plate. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I mean, because there were more familiar ingredients like tomatoes, and I loved your lobster dish, I mean, phenomenal in that presentation um but then there was there was seaweeds and and just flowers and things that i don't eat every day or ever um but it all you you got the deliciousness and you got the imagination i don't know beyond creativity using beyond the imagination and originality um yeah it's really quite special um going back I just question the name Barago. Where did okay. what's what is there a story behind that? I bet there, there is. There is a story <laughs> behind that. There is a story behind that, but I never told that story to anyone till a few other interviews now, already. It's yeah, like yeah. Exclusive. It's because like, I was I was I was very lost. I was a kid, lost kid probably. I I didn't I didn't know what to do in my life to be to be honest before before to. Uh, Get my path in the culinary world, and and um, so I just wanted to make sure that every morning when I see that name, I wouldn't forget what I was ready to do. You know, so um, Bravo with the accent it means nothing; it's an invented word. But in my mind, it was something for me actually. Um, the accent 
it, in Spanish, it changes, absolutely changes the meaning of the words. And so, as the human dust and the soil, further ingredient, so let's say you grab a seaweed, you taste it, you say like, oh, I'm not going to eat this, the grossest thing I've ever had. And I don't like the texture, the, the flavor, not even the aroma. But humans, we have the ability to change that reality through time, through knowledge, through culture, through whatever you want. But time is, is part of that equation always. And so the accent is the, to the words as the human to the soil. I didn't know you're going to go so deep on that, but yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's wonderful. Um, great story. I love it. So it's like, a, like the meaning of cooking at the end. You know? Yeah. So I have two questions. One, like, so what's, what's, what's next for you with, I mean, keep going with Barago. Yeah. Change the, this menu I had last night is going to change into a new season soon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, we, um, first of anything, we, um, at the beginning of 2019, we um, moved the restaurant to the house that we are at. And we, um, we started a new project, which is our reception center. And that, that reception center opened us a whole new world. Because it was so obvious. We discovered so many things. We said like, okay, the restaurant has different needs, you know, because it has four walls. It's like any other restaurant at the end of the day. You have to pay salaries. The restaurant ideally has, has to be fully booked in our minds. So we're going to try to push it towards that direction. It's still, Chile is very far away from everyone. It's not, it's not Peru, you know. So back in the days, you were trying to Peru to Mexico, to Argentina to eat. But Chile, no, you were trying for all things to doing snow skiing, I don't know, to Patagonia, to the deserts, Easter Island, whatever, but never to eat. <laughs> well, you're definitely making this, I mean, it is a culinary destination. It was for me. I mean, I had to come here to come to your restaurant. But um, before you continue on, is your, um, are your guests reg like locals then, or do you have people now right now, like present day or this year, coming in from all around the world? We have a huge amount of locals. That's nice. You That's incredible. We, we had, we, we reached 80% of locals. That says a lot. That's and, quite and a lot for a guest. Because yeah. Borago's yeah. not that expensive as a restaurant. It could be twice as no problem. No, wouldn't affect. what you're offering, especially. Would, yeah. would, would, would not affect the, 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 the reservations, I'm pretty sure. But... This this thing allows the Chileans to you know to plan and to come to celebrate. They're coming from from every every city, you know. They're coming from Patagonia, from the south, from the center, from the coast, from up, from up north to celebrate. That's magical to us, you know. It's really really important, and that's the way we wanted to keep it. Um, so yeah, and and so again, we moved the restaurant. We discovered. This many things we said like but you know knowledge is something that cannot have a rooftop I have to keep going and going and going and going so we decided to create this research center we moved 
whatever we had in the university, into the restaurant, in an area of the restaurant. And so we, we set three different areas. So uh, test area, all the processes, and reception area. And so we have a big team. How um, big is your team? Uh, I was trying to count cooks last night because yeah, yeah, yeah. you have a it's, wonderful open kitchen. No, we are about 35 people in the kitchen only. Yeah. That's, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's a good size. It's a good size for a 54, 54 covers restaurant. You know? Yeah, no, it was, it was, yeah. I mean, yeah. it's not one for one per yeah. Yeah, chef per yeah. customer, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, we have it. Yeah. So, so anyways. We, we define four lines of work for Borago. So all of our food is based on these four lines. So first one is the seaweeds. We have more than 700 kinds of seaweeds in Chile. Well, we were using only four or five maybe. And um, <clears throat> rock plants. So our rocky coast is fully covered by allophytes or rock plants as we call them. Uh, natives were eating them. Most of them are 38% of protein. They're delicious, juicy. Probably the next solution for agriculture, because <clears throat> they can grow in very low amounts, amount of water, and they also can grow in high amounts of water, and and so it's great, tasty, huge amounts. We have never used uh, small fish such as Chilean chovies, Chilean sardines, um, and the fault line is the fungi worlds. Not the mushrooms that you, not only the mushrooms that your eyes can see, but the ones that your eyes are unable to see. Many people think that borogo is about fermentation, but it's not. Borogo is about the fungi world, which is different. It's very different. Yeah, of course, it involves all the processes such as fermentation, sure, but it's very, very related to the fungi world. If I make you drag a finger through certain native trees, on top of the leaves, you taste, you say, like, no, I cannot believe it. This is the most delicious thing I ever, ever had. And that's the reason, because our natives were, were so healthy. And the food was so tasty, because they knew their plants. You know, such an old, such an old culture, you know? Yeah, it's amazing. So, yeah. What advice would you give to aspiring chefs? Now, you're a part of my upcoming Chefwise book, which is coming out soon, and I'm thrilled you are, and you're in several of the chapters. Um, so, and I've ha- obviously had a sneak peek, so I know some of your advice. But if um, I know, in I, one thing I know in there is hard work that you mentioned. That this this all doesn't just happen overnight. And you, from your story, it's obvious it didn't happen overnight for you. But um, for young young cooks, aspiring chefs, what's what's your what's your advice? I would say that one. Nothing in life, nothing almost good or too good happens from one day to the next. Sometimes you have to you have to fight for what what it moves you. And the most important thing is that humans we all have these real forces in, in our interiors. And sometimes we get confused. This is the this is the bad thing. Because there's too much uh, around us, you know, too much information, almost too much. And we're paying attention to all of that information that's around us. But those real forces that, that belong to us, 
orienteers are the real ones that can make you move forward in life, make you uh, fight for things that you love the most or feel attracted to the most, you know? And that would be my advice, you know? And, and, and going back to the question you did, what is the next step for you? Sometimes it, take, it takes longer than what you expect. We've been running Borago for the last 16 years. Uh, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open the first two projects in, in Patagonia for the first time ever. You know, it took, it took super us. Exciting. Yeah, yeah, very excited. Congratulations. Feel, Congratulations yeah, yeah. on all of this. I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty much in awe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm excited. Yeah. That's very exciting. I'm now, yeah, yeah I'm coming to Patagonia. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you are. Um, do you want to play my speed round game? Which is. Um, sure, sure, sure. Which is fun. It's a part I do. It's okay. just a little game I play. I'll try to be quick. Shows. I'm always slow with this thing. <laughs> I do. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm like, good luck with the quickness okay, okay, here. Okay. Just know because. Um, okay. But yeah, okay. So this is going to be fun. Okay, so Perfect. here we go. Eat in at home or eat out at a restaurant? Oh, at home. <laughs> Indoor dining or alfresco dining? Alfresco dining. Wine, beer, cocktail, mocktail, or champagne? Oh, beer. <laughs> I wish people could see your face expressions. They're fabulous. <laughs> Tasting menu or a la carte? Tasting menu. Small plates or large plates? Small plates. Communal table or chef's counter? Chef's counter. Tipping or all-inclusive charge? Tipping. Okay, a couple more. A tomato or a peach? Oh, has to be a tomato. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that was a tough one too. Um, writing a cookbook or being a contributor to a book? Writing a cookbook. Yeah, your book. You did your. You have a book with Biden that yes. came out in 2017. So, yes. Yeah. Yes. It's amazing. Right. We're part of the same family. Yeah. Um, okay, two more. Cheese plate or dessert? Desserts. Manhattan, Brooklyn, or Santiago? Oh, come on. So hard. <laughs> I have to say Santiago. Of course you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Of course you do. Yeah, yeah. I didn't make that easy yeah, on you. Yeah. Um, that's awesome. Um, that was the game. You did go pretty fast there. Okay. I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, so, yeah. So, before I want, I'm going to ask you to ask, well, I'll ask you now to ask a question for the next guest of mine. I'm going to talk to Carolina Bazan, chef yeah. and owner of Ambrosia. Yes. And Ambrosia Bistro here in Santiago, who's also a contributor to my book. So what would you like to ask her? If you could ask her something. Ah. I know, I'm putting you on the spot. Which is her next move? Yeah. yeah. See, maybe she'll open a place in Patagonia with you. <laughs> huh? Let's see. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. Cool. I'm so excited to meet her. Um, yeah. So anything else? I mean, you are, well, I'll just say your hospitality, your generosity, like, I don't know. It's so special. You're, I mean, and just listening to you and knowing more about your story, knowing what I knew before, like, it's incredible what you've achieved and your determination and your, I mean, you 
it was like up and down and down and a little up and down. I mean, and you've, you got through that and look where you are today. You're famous and well-deservedly so, and your food's incredible. So, um, congratulations. But, um, I just feel, I don't, I don't know if there's a question in there, but I was just, I just feel so lucky to have met you and to have experienced your restaurant. I can't wait to see what you do next. Cause you're just, you're, I know you're going to just keep going <laughs> thank and do you. beautiful things. Thank but you. Thank, thank you. you. I mean, thank really you so your much. hospitality is, is blown me away and felt been made me feel so special. Thank you so much. Thank you for sharing those words. It means a lot. We, we, I think, I think there's young people listening. I think life, it's, it's, it can be, it can be not easy in any sense, but if you, Focus on the momentum, and and just to produce great things for your surrounding, then things will follow you. That's what I believe. Yeah, no, I can see it in your eyes. You do believe that, and um, yeah, congratulations and thank you. Thank this you. It's been a true pleasure. Thank you so much. This episode is brought to you by Cheese State University. Cheese State University was created for dedicated cheese professionals seeking to deepen their knowledge, sharpen their skills, and build connections. It feels like a gift to be able to give this gift to people because I know that from my own experiences, I know how valuable, consolidated, mm -hmm. incredible training resources are. They offer an in-depth education on all things cheese, as well as an active network for peer support and career development. You can pop over to the Quad, which is our social networking and engagement app. Um, and so that's a really fun and dynamic aspect of Cheese State University. Cheese State's three-part course is designed for seasoned pros and entry-level mongers alike and covers all the skills one needs to perform on the cheese counter. The structure of Cheese State University is all based on the Cheese State University Field Guide. Um, and that is a three-volume resource. It's all digital online. At the end of the course, students will be ready to ace the field guide assessment and earn their Cheese State Scholar Certificate. Another resource is a video series where we tackle sort of like these thornier questions that you can get on the cheese counter, like what is rennet? And like, why is this cheese so expensive? And can pregnant people even eat cheese? At Cheese State, you're among experts, you're among scholars, you're among cheese lovers, and most importantly, you are a monger. Join them in the Ivy League of Cheese Education at cheesestateuniversity.com. Welcome back to All in the Industry on Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Sherry Bayer, and I hope you enjoyed my interview with Rodolfo Guzman, the chef and owner of Barago in Santiago, Chile. He is one of 117 chefs who are featured in my new book, ChefWise, Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World by Biden. So it's time for my solo dining experience. This week, it's at Barago. Yes, I felt like there was more to tell you about my experience dining at Rodolfo Guzman's restaurant. So here we go. Here's the rundown. The location. Avenue San Jose, Maria Escava del Balaguer, 5970, Metropolitan Region in Santiago, Chile. The concept. Beautiful Chilean produce transported from farm to fork, a haven for learning and discovery of native Chilean produce. The chef and owner, Rodolfo Guzman. Why did I go? Well, 
This place has been on my dining destination list for a long time. Rodolfo's in my ChefWise book, and I always wanted to meet him and experience his food. So my experience. So this all happened pretty fast. So a few weeks ahead, I made plans for this trip. Um, I made a, a reservation directly through Rodolfo. He knew that I was coming, and... Um, he was very excited to have me, and I was so excited to go. And um, I had a little bit of a crazy journey getting to Santiago. My plane uh, actually I got rerouted. Not the, I got rerouted through Sao Paulo is the long and short of it. Um, that was not in the plan. So um, I arrived. I was a bit later than I thought when I got to Santiago, but um, I made it for dinner that evening and Rodolfo was there with his team and so warmly greeted me and uh, I was so excited to be there. Um, they sat me at a table that was facing the open kitchen on the side of the restaurant where I could see all the action and it's a very, it was a very interactive tasting menu experience. Uh, many of the chefs come out from the kitchen and present dishes uh, for you, including Rodolfo, and explain uh, what the dish is and what you should eat on the plate. Uh, sometimes it's very obvious and sometimes it's not. Um, beautiful presentations, very creative, very unique. Um, storytelling about the dishes, not in an overbearing way, all just super lovely. I wanted to chat more with everyone who came out to my table, as I said in my interview with Rodolfo. Um, it was just a really, really lovely experience. Um, so what did I get? So the menu is their Endemica summer menu. Uh, their seasons are the opposite of the U.S. And interestingly, Santiago's in the same time zone as New York City. Just a little fun fact there. Um, so the, the menu is all very hyper-local seasonal ingredients, and it's like edible art, I would say. Um, they say on online it's going to be about 12 to 17 courses, and it was definitely over 15, looking back at the menu. Um, there were, so I'll name a couple of the dishes, and I apologize for my pronunciation, uh, but Pink tomato was an ingredient that was used in multiple dishes. And there was a pink tomato from El Male, Chancho and Pedra, and wild apples from Patagonia. That was a dish. And then there was pink tomato poppies of rhubarb, Chilean truffle, and granado beans with jasmine flowers. That was really cool. I love that dish. It was just um, like three flowers on wood sticks. It was all edible. It was just awesome. There was also a black oyster and pink tomato from El Maul. I love this dish that was lobster from Juan Fernandez Island cooked on a seaweed bladder. Yes, you heard that right. And the final savory course was Patagonia lamb cooked let inverse a year round a fig tree and that was cooked. You could see it happening outside. There was a glass window on the side of the restaurant, um, glass wall, and they were they were they had a, a fire pit going, um, cooking that lamb that I saw throughout my meal. Uh, for dessert, some of the courses were semifreddo of rosé of the year of Atacama Desert. There was a pine mushroom, seaweed, and McKee wild fruit. And the finale of dessert was cold glacier. 
which was very fun. It was one of those um, dry ice type experiences where um, you take a bite and then smoke is coming out of your mouth and nose, um, if you follow follow that. Um, and so then I also enjoyed this beautiful uh, juice non-alcoholic pairing that they put together with me with the super fresh ingredients. And at the end of the meal, it was like a rainbow of glasses I had on my table with a little left in each one. And um, some of the the drinks, there was citrus infusion with Copa Copa. There was pain watermelon juice and plum and McKay, McKay, I'm not sure how to pronounce that. Um, there was a strawberry shrub and apple and seaweed juice. It was all really delicious and very nice to go with the meal, paired very nicely. So my take, well, kind of said it as I was going along, but I definitely loved it. The, the, the tasting menu is just really imaginative and different because it's different ingredients that I'm familiar with using things that are local in Chile and um, what Rodolfo and his team have become super educated about and passionate about. They, they obviously love what they're doing. Um, I loved every, that there were many dishes that you eat with your hands. Uh, I loved that there were a lot of tomatoes as well. It wasn't, it wasn't overdone. It's, um, it's just uh, um, really cool presentations and delicious and just, you know, fresh ingredients and just awesome. Uh, as I said, I also the, the lobster was a standout and uh, the mushroom dessert. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a really, really wonderful tasting menu. So the ambiance. So it's a, it's a rectangular room. It's pretty minimalistic. There's a open kitchen at one end that has a, it's behind glass, uh, but you can you can see the chefs in action. And the tables are pretty spread apart, leaving room between guests uh, and leaving room for the presentations that they make. Because as I said, the chefs do often come out or in, in the dining room and presenting dishes. So I'd say it's perfect for a special night out. Interesting tidbit, all the ingredients come from the coastlines, mountaintops, or even the restaurant's nearby orchard. Rodolfo told me his team goes out to the beach or the coast every week to source ingredients, which is really nice. Personal fun fact, I was lucky to get a personal tour by Rodolfo of Santiago during my visit. Uh, Very special. Um, Thank you so much. I just pinching myself. Such Such a wonderful trip and experience. So the cost of this meal was, well, for me, it was comped. I was a guest of the chef. So just wanted to share that with you. Um, the regular cost is 143,000 Chilean peso or $180 in US approximately. If you do the wine pairing, it would be about 100 US and the juice pairing is, is about $50 US. Would I go back? Yes, you bet. Website barago.cl and Instagram is at barago.scl. And that's the show. Thank you so much to Rodolfo Guzman and his team. I don't know if I said it enough. I don't think I did. Maybe I did, but I'm going to say it again. The hospitality that I received was just beyond any expectations and 
so warm and welcoming and made me feel amazing. And the travel was nothing to get there. <laughs> uh, nothing because it was just worth, it was so worth it. Um, and on Rodolfo's team, Pedro helped me out a lot in uh, communications and and Rodolfo himself um, really took a lot of time. So thank you so much. It was um, extraordinary and I can't wait to come back. So uh, my guest has been Rodolfo Guzman of Barago. As I said, his website is barago.cl and on Instagram, he's at rgbarago and at baragoscl. My next show coming up is my interview with Carolina Bazan of Ambrosia and Ambrosia Bistro, also in Santiago, Chile. She is amazing. I love sitting down and talking with her, so stay tuned for that. My book, ChefWise, it's now out. ChefWise Life Lessons from Leading Chefs Around the World by Fiden. You can get it wherever books are sold. I hope you check it out and I hope you love it as much as I do and as much as I did putting it together. You can follow me at Sherry Bayer at Bayer PR and at All Industry. My Facebook page is All in the Industry. My websites are BayerPublicRelations.com, SherryBayer.com, and AllInTheIndustry.com. All of our shows are archived at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. We are also in iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. Thanks to my engineer today, Armin. I'm your host and producer and author, Sherry Bayer. I'll be back next week with a new show. Hope you'll tune in then. And thank you, as always, for being part of All in the Industry. Bye. All in the Industry is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe. <laughs>